Our scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis. We'll read chapter 2, verses 18 through 22 together. Let's read God's good word together. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. Before the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to boot camp. If you uh, missed last week and didn't know where you're headed, you might be thinking, what exactly are we getting into? Well, um, last week was Valentine's Day, and uh, if you are in a relationship with someone and that did not go well, we are here to help. And so, um, and even if that did go well, or if you're not in a relationship, um, a romantic relationship, there are always things that we need whenever it comes to relationships. They're at the core of our lives, and uh, each of us can use a little bit of help. I don't think anyone here has that figured out. If not, we can switch places, and you can share what you know, but uh, I'm preaching to myself as much as to anyone else, and so that's our hope as we start this series, that, uh, that your relationships, whether that's romantic relationships, whether that's um, with other members of your family, parents, children, with friends, with co-workers, that all of those relationships would be strengthened. Because what we know from the scripture and from the, the research um, from social science is that relationships are the core of a life that is happy, that is fulfilling, and that's meaningful. And so we don't want to just leave that to chance. We want to actually do the best we can to become the people who can love the people around us in the best way possible. And uh, they're really, we see this at the end of people's lives. This is what the Surgeon General says in the times that he sat with people who have been at the end of their lives. Um, this is what he says. What, what people talk about in those final moments are relationships. They don't talk about their accomplishments, all the success that they've achieved. They don't talk about their net worth and how great that is or any of those kinds of things. What they talk about are the people who meant the most of it to them. And whenever... Whenever we see that kind of clarity, we know for the rest of us, for the rest of us who, who have longer to go, we don't know how long, but we want to really invest in the things that matter because it's so easy to chase those other things and to set relationships aside. And so that's really, really my hope is that, that this will help you because it's helped me this week as I've been preparing in order to love the people around you better. And, and so that's what we're looking at, because we know that relationships, when they go well, they can be the greatest source of joy, joy in our life, but they can also be our greatest source of pain whenever they don't go well. And so it's really important for us to learn to do them well. We also know that in our country right now, in the United States, loneliness is at epidemic levels. And this was true before the pandemic started, and people found themselves in isolation and continues to be true, and in many ways has been exacerbated for a lot of people. And so it's really important for us to get this right. We really are in need of help. And there are many people around us who are desperate for people to love them and to give them attention. 
And um, anytime we talk about relationships, it's, it's potentially, uh, you know, there, there's some things that are implied that are not intended. And so one of the things that I want to make really clear from the outset is that your worth does not come from your marital status. And so, um, you know, we'll talk about relationships broadly this week. Um, Pastor Mark will talk about marriage a little bit more next week. Um, but, we'll, you know, whether you're single, whether you're married, that your worth is the same. You're worthy. You're worth loving because God said that you are loved. And that's it. It doesn't depend on anything else. And so we want to be really clear about that. And uh, at the same time, we also want to talk about relationships because investing in your relationships, your relationship with God, um, with your spouse, if you're married, with your family, and with your friends is the best investment that you can make. So that whenever you come to the end of your life and whenever you're talking about the, the people who are most important to you, you can say that with gladness and not with regret. And so that's what we're looking at today. And uh, really, the reason this is so important is because we're created as, as social animals, as, uh, as different commentators have put it. Um, but at our very, at the level of design, human beings are relationship. We're not made to live in isolation. We're not um, individuals who sometimes are, are in community. We're people who are made to be in relationship. And, and we saw that in the very beginning, the scripture that we just read. Um, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And uh, so, so we read the story about the, the first two people, about Adam and Eve. And, and one of the things that we know is that that may have been a romantic relationship, but I think what God is talking about in uh, Genesis 2.18 is much broader than that, is the recognition that we are made to be in relationship with others. And, and so that's, that's how we are made, because we're made in the image of God, as we read in Genesis 1.31. And God, as the scriptures and, and the church teach us, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God's very nature is relational. God is in relationship. And so as people create in the image of God, we're invited to live in relationship too. That's, that's how we're made, not just to be individuals but to have rich relationships in our lives with God and with the people around us. And God saw from the very beginning that it was not good for us to be alone. And yet, unfortunately, societally at large, that's the direction that we're headed. We're becoming more and more isolated. And so there was some, a survey done in 2018, you know, well before the pandemic started. And so they found that around half of Americans sometimes or always feel in the following ways, that no one knows them well, 54%. That they're alone or left out, that's 47%. And that they're no longer close to anyone, to anyone, almost 40, that's 49%. This was a four-point scale, uh, always, sometimes, rarely, or never. And so basically anyone who answered that positively is represented here. And so you can see that those are really significant numbers. There are significant numbers of people who are feeling alone and so this is something that's been going on and, uh, and continues to increase. It's relationships are something that each of us needs more than ever and uh, is a way that we can make such a difference in the lives of people who are really struggling. Um, and so that's, that's loneliness broadly. Um, in a 2020 poll, 67% of people said their dating life was not going well. 2020 was a year that was pretty hard to go on dates with people, so that's understandable. But um, those trends have been continuing as well. Um, and, and one of the things that we see even before that is um, in, from 1989 to 2016, the percentage of people in their 20s who are married fell from 27% to 15%. And so, you know, that's nearly half that that has dropped. And uh, that's not just people getting, uh, choosing to opt out of traditional marriage or putting that off. One of the things that we saw um, in a recent CNN headline kind of summed up uh, broader findings this way. Americans are less likely to have sex, partner up, and get married than ever 
than ever. And so people are, are less likely to enter into romantic relationships at all, or even to have any kind of romantic encounters. People are becoming more and more isolated. And that's a problem if we're made to be in community. And, and so one of the things that, um, that we hope that you'll take from today is you can be happy without a spouse. You don't need a spouse. There are some people in our tradition who are not married. One of them was Jesus, you know, kind of significant person for us. And, and so from the, the history of the church, we've said, you know, it's great to be married. It's great to be single. Wherever you are, you're welcome. And you're equally worthy of God's love. And, uh, but the, here's the thing. You can't be happy without community. We all need that in order to be happy and to be fulfilled because that's how we're made. We're made to live in community with others, to have relationships. And so that's what we're talking about today, how to find love. Not, not specifically romantic love, although we'll touch on that, but to how do we find love broadly. And, and so what, what, hap- what that does, love begins with time together. And that's true in our, in our relationships with God, um, with family and friends, and with potential partners. And uh, it, it, you can't love someone that you don't spend time with. It, it just doesn't work that way. We have to find way, we have to spend love. We have to spend love. That's, that's a new thing that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, how to spend love. Okay, not really. Um, but we have to spend time with people that we care about. And, uh, and we see this in a really interesting way in the Gospel of Luke um, chapter 10. Um, in this story, um, the disciples were traveling, and as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. And so you've got this interesting exchange that's going on, this interesting situation where Jesus and his disciples are coming to the house of Martha and Mary, two sisters who live together, and Martha's doing all the work. I mean, you can imagine, like, Jesus and 12 disciples, that's 13 people coming into your house. I don't know about you, but I don't entertain that many people very often, like at, when my kids have birthday parties. That's pretty much it. And, and so you can imagine there's a lot of work that needs to happen, and Martha's doing it all by herself. And uh, meanwhile, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and Mary's just sitting there with him listening while Martha has to do everything. And you can imagine if you were Martha, you'd be super frustrated. And so she goes and tells Jesus, look, I'm doing all the work. She's just sitting here talking. And what does Jesus say? You're right. She needs to go do her part too. Is that what he said? No. What he said is one thing is needful. And what was that one thing? Spending time with Jesus. Because to be in relationship with him, we have to spend time with him. That's not to say that, that doing all of, you know, that feeding people is not important. That's super important. I always appreciate whenever I'm fed. But if, that's, if all the other stuff is happening and time together is not happening, that relationship cannot grow. We have to have time together in order to be in relationship with others. It's absolutely vital. And whenever we look at the way that Jesus spent his time throughout his life, um, specifically in the last three years of his life, which is the period of time that the Gospels focus on, we see that he chose to spend his life with 12 disciples. 
Jesus did not choose to go it alone. He actually chose to live with other people, people who we see often do not get what he's all about and, and in many ways made his life more frustrating. They're also not people who are all the same. They're people from across the political spectrum. We had a zealot on one hand and a tax collector on the other. So basically someone who worked for the Roman Empire to take money from his own people and someone who wanted to drive out the Romans by force if necessary. And, and they hung out together. I mean, that's like as far left and right as you can get. I mean, Democrats and Republicans can barely have a civil conversation in the U.S. today. And Jesus was like, come on, we're all going to live together. And that's how he did his life. It's pretty fascinating. And so this is what we see. You see, Jesus, during those days, went out to the mountain to pray. And he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Those are the people that he chose to spend his life with. That's the way that he chose to live, is with others in relationship. With all the demands that were placed on him, people wanting to, their, their children to be healed, uh, wanting their family members to be healed, for them to teach, for them to drive out, all of those kinds of things, he was constantly in demand. And yet he still made time to be in community because he knew that it's absolutely essential for life to thrive together. And one of the things that we see both uh, through Jesus and, and in the research is that friendship is the cornerstone for strong relationships. It's true in marital relationships. It's true, obviously, in friend relationships, but it's really true uh, in family and other relationships as well. And, and th- we see this in Jesus' teaching whenever he teaches his disciples on the last night of his life, um, at the Last Supper, whenever he was giving his farewell address in the Gospel of John. This is what we read in John 15. He said to them, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. That's a really amazing thing. Jesus is speaking to them as their Lord and speaking to us as his Lord, and yet the relationship that he invites them into is a relationship of friendship. And he invites them to be about doing the things that he commands them to do, invites us to do that as well. And what does he command us to do? To love one another as he has loved us. And and what does that look like? It looks a lot like friendship. There's a lot of really interesting, um, interesting research on what this looks like in marital relationships as well. This is what Dr. John Gottman says, uh, one of the leading experts on, on marriage in the U.S. He says, happy marriages are based on a deep friendship. You know, a lot of times whenever we think about relation, um, when we think about romantic relationships, we, we think about passionate love, you know, the thing that, that gets people together. But he says, you know, what really makes people happy in the long run is a deep friendship, what some researchers call companionate love. That's, that's at the core of it. And, and it, it's also interesting that, uh, that, the, the, that kind of love is what leads to passion in a relationship. You don't get one without the other. You need the deep friendship at the core of it. And, uh, and the hard thing about friendship, though, is that it takes time. It takes time. And I thought this was super interesting. That's why I, I, don't, I guess the things that I say, I don't share a lot that I don't find super interesting. This will really bore them. I'll share this and put it on. But this one in particular is really interesting. So Dr. Jeffrey Hall is a friendship researcher. And what he's found is that it takes 40 to 60 hours to move from acquaintance to casual friendship, 40 to 60 hours, so like one work week, and then 80 to 100 hours to go from casual friend to friend, I, you know, friend without qualifier, 
this like, oh yeah, I know them from work. No, that's, that's my friend. And, and so 80 to 100 hours there. And then to really move to that, that top tier of friendship, more than 200 hours to become a close or a best friend. That's a lot of time, isn't it? I mean, that's not something that just happens accidentally. And so, you know, one of the things, I know we live in a community where a lot of people are not from here, a lot of people move in um, to, to this community, and, and so one of the things that you may notice when you're moving into a new community, if you've done that before, is that as an adult, it's difficult to make friends, right? I mean, it doesn't just happen in the same way it does, like, in school, it seems like you sit down at a table next to someone and you're automatically friends, or like in that, um, that Will Ferrell movie where they you know, did we just become best friends? Yep. I mean, that's not, that would be nice, but it doesn't happen that way because it takes time. And, uh, and whenever you're in school, it's pretty easy to rack up 40 hours. I mean, you sit next to someone for six hours a day. And I think about whenever I was in college, you know, I would go to class and study. But then, you know, I could hang out with someone for like three hours in an afternoon. I've got two kids now. I work. Do you think I can hang out with someone for three hours? Like, no, my house will not be there anymore if I just disappear for three hours. It's difficult to make time for that. We don't have that. And so it's really crucial. I mean, if that's something that's important to you, and, and what I hope is that that may seem daunting, you know, if you're thinking about, I'm never going to have a friend again. I do not have that kind of time. But what I hope is that if you've experienced that, that this is difficult, that, that you feel validated, like, yes, it's difficult for everyone because it takes time. It takes time and it takes effort. But I also hope that, that this helps you realize, as it's helped me realize, that if friendship is something that you want in your life, that it's going to take your attention. It won't just happen on its own, but it has to be a priority. And so we have to find ways to spend that time together if we want to develop relationships with other peoples. True in our friendships, it's true in our relationships with our parents, uh, with our children, with anybody that we want to develop a relationship. We need to have that time. And and what that that makes possible, um, time together gives us the opportunity to develop what Dr. Gottman calls love maps. And uh, I know that's kind of an interesting word. Like, what is a love map? It's knowing the other person's inner world. And and so it's it's knowing things like, like, what are their goals? What are their stressors? What are their worries? What are the things that they're really excited about? What do they like? What do they not like? Who are the people at work that they love whenever they're on a project together? And who are the people, like, if they have to spend 10 minutes in a room together, you're going to hear about it at the end of the day? What, what do you know about the other person's inner world, about the things that really make them tick? You know, this, whenever you've had friends that were close to you, you know, you just, they just knew what was going on to you, with you. And if you were having a bad day, they knew exactly what you needed. And so whenever we spend time with other people, we have the opportunity to have those conversations. And this is really important. I know we're talking about finding love, but it's also really important in sustained relationships because it's easy to imagine for somebody that you've known for years or for decades that all of those things are all the same. But are you the same person now that you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago? Right? We change. Our priorities change. The things that we worry about change. And it's easy to imagine that, that the other person does not. Right? I'm, I'm developing, and they're pretty much the same person that, as whenever we met in high school. And that's not how people work either. You can imagine what it would be like whenever you're thinking about maps. Right? I mean, for, for those of you who are in person today, if you think about this part of Edmond, 30 years ago, would a map of what this part of Edmond looked like be accurate today? No, it was just all cow pasture, and now there's a housing addition on every single square inch and a few other things as well crammed in there. I mean, it looks totally different, and that's how it is with people. Our, our, map, our maps, our love maps change. The things that we care about 
the things that matter to us, the things that we worry about. Those things change over time. And so to, at the beginning of a relationship, it's vital to have those conversations, to get to know the other person. And that doesn't stop, though. It's not like you figure it out. Okay, loves chocolate ice cream. Check. I never have to ask again. Like, those things change. We develop. And while chocolate ice cream is amazing all the time, like, there are other things about us that do change. And so we have to continue to have those conversations, to continue to develop our love maps and to update them as the years go on. And as we're filling those things out, as we're learning about one another, there are also things that we need to, if, if this is something that's um, moving in a romantic direction, if we're thinking about um, sharing life together, there are things that we do have to talk about. And so before getting married, we do have to have those conversations to make sure our values and our expectations are aligned. And so some of those things might be things like our faith, like, hey, whenever we get married, we're going to be in church every Sunday, or like, wait a second, I did not sign up for that. Or, you know, if we have children, it's going to be really important to me that they're baptized. Are we on the same page about that? Talking about conflict, how do you handle conflict? You know, did you grow up in a house where, like, yelling is just, like, the same as saying I love you? Or, or did you, like, grow up in a house where if you, if you say something, like, even with a hint of firmness in your voice, it's like you screamed at someone? You know, I mean, we all have different tolerances for that, and we interpret things differently based on the household that we grew up in. So how how do you approach conflict in your relationship? With things like finances, are you you a saver or are you someone who just, who is a spender? Are you you wired the same way uh, or do you not? Do you you like to take, what do you think about debt? You know, is that something that, yeah, of course, whenever we buy a car, we're definitely going to finance it. Or I know over my dead body, we will never have a car loan. What, What are the ways that we do that? And then do you have existing debt? Um, by the way, we're married now. All of our finances are together. Surprise, I have a few hundred thousand dollars in student loans. Like, that's not a good thing to find out after your honeymoon. And so we have to have those conversations beforehand. Things like children, right? I mean, you can probably fudge if one of you wants two and one of you wants three. You can figure that out. But if someone doesn't want kids and someone does, that, that's a pretty serious thing. And that's a harder conversation after you've been married for five years than it is before. And so all of those kinds of things, parenting styles, household roles, who does what, um, does one person do everything and the other person does nothing, that one doesn't work, by the way, but, but we need to make sure that we figure those out. Where we're going to live, career plans, if you're going to spend the first 10 years of your career working 80 hours a week, like the person who's thinking about marrying you and seeing you the other, you know, four hours a day needs to know that ahead of time. Those are really important things. We have to figure these things out before we enter those relationships to make sure that our values are aligned. What makes that possible is time together, is having the conversations, defining our love maps, talking about our values, and listening, genuinely listening to the other person. And so relationships are tough. We have to make an investment. It's not something that just happens. You know, you can't coast your way to a happy marriage. You can't coast your way to meaningful friendships. It takes your your attention. It takes your time. It takes your investment. And it also takes vulnerability. If we want to make new friends, if we want to find potential romantic partners, we have to be willing to risk vulnerability, to actually, you know, say, hey, I'd like to spend time with you. Would you like to, you know, uh, friend date is a weird thing to think about, but I mean, if you want your relationship to actually develop, if you want to be friends with someone, then you've got to actually find ways to spend time together. And uh, that does take vulnerability. We have to be willing to, to act and to make ourselves vulnerable. And that's why we spent six weeks talking about courage a few weeks ago. That's something that each of us needs. And if you missed that, I hope that you'll go back and check out that sermon series on our YouTube channel. Um, but it's absolutely essential in all of our relationships. And whenever Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, he risked rejection. He didn't know for sure that they were going to say yes. 
And in fact, whenever we see him inviting other people to follow him, some of them say no. Some people still say no today. And yet he still put himself out there. He still invites everyone. He still takes that risk because he knows that relationships are worth it. And so for all of us today, whether that's growing closer to your spouse, whether that's trying to find someone that that you might possibly spend your life with, whether that's looking for new friendships or talking to friends that have been in your life for decades, if relationships are a priority in your life, and I hope from what we've talked about already that you'll say, yes, I want those to be a priority in my life. And this is the part that's going to blow you away. All right, get ready. Take a breath. If your relationships are a priority in your life, you have to prioritize them. You have to actually make them a priority. It doesn't just happen. And particularly whenever you're caught up in the busyness of life and all the things you have to do at work and and here's all the ways that I want to be successful and and how are we ever going to get to, uh, you know, get our net worth high enough so that we can retire someday if I don't work all the, you know, all of those kinds of things. And we've got to be involved in 18 different activities or else our kids will never get into Stanford. Whatever it is, it's tempting to put relationships on the back burner. But uh, I saw this quote from Alan Watts. I thought it was so helpful. He says, stop measuring days by degree of productivity and start experiencing them by degree of presence. Being present to the people around you, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers. Not just having the minimum viable conversation, but actually being present to the people around you because those are the things that really matter. The people that we love and that Jesus calls us to love. Because love isn't just a feeling. It has a lot more to do with what we do than what we feel. And what the church has taught since at least St. Thomas Aquinas, and really this has its roots in the teaching of Jesus, is that what love is is not a feeling. It's to will the good of the other, to act in their best interest, to do the things that helps them receive their good, to act in ways that lead to their good. Not just a feeling, but action living in a way that actually prioritizes the other, doing what Jesus said, loving one another. There's a great line in the book of Proverbs. It says, a friend loves at all time, and kinsfolk are born to share adversity. That's what friendship does for us, is whenever we're in those situations where we need someone, whenever we're at our most desperate, we need someone who will come alongside us and will help us. And it's people and relationships that will do that for us. And it's the same people that we will do it for as well. But it doesn't just happen. This is what Arthur Brooks says. He says, the love you want in your life is not going to make itself happen. We have to actually take a step to make it happen. And so here are your action steps this week. First, I don't know about you, but for some reason it happens like while I'm at church. Every week my phone buzzes me and tells me how much I've stared at it for the week before. Okay, you all know what I'm talking about. Maybe you do. But uh, I get my screen time update, and uh, if I'm really candid with you, that number is pretty much always higher than I want it to be. And, and so think about that. Think about what if, what if this week and in the weeks to come you traded screen time for FaceTime? What if the time that you normally just kind of fill by scrolling or checking your email for the 18th time because, you know, something really important might have come in the last three minutes? Who knows? You will not know if you don't check it. What if instead of doing that, your default became turning to the people around you? Or planning specifically, I'm going to invest in this relationship. Because, as we said, love has more to do with action than with feeling. And uh, you can say you love your mom, but when was the last time you called her? Not soon enough, she told me, just letting you know that. 
we have to actually put our, our, our love into action. And we can do that whenever we spend less time staring at screens. Unless that's the way that you have to communicate. I mean, I know there are situations where the people you can't be with, and uh, capital F FaceTime is okay too, but when you can, be in the same room with people. It makes a difference. And then whenever you're spending time with them, ask open-ended questions and listen attentively. You know, particularly if you're married with someone or if you work with them, you know, if it's someone that you spend a lot of time with, it's easy just to kind of talk logistics, you know, talk about the things that are happening and this is what the traffic's like and this is the weather, but ask, ask the big questions. Define those love maps. Find out, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, where do you want to be? You, you said whenever we were younger that this is the job that you wanted whenever you were at this point in your career. Is that still true? Ask those questions and then listen, not just to uh, pass the time, but actually paying attention to the person that you're talking to. And then I want to invite you to schedule time to be with a friend. And uh, I forgot to change that to three because there used to be four and I thought that was too many. But schedule time to be with a friend because friendship doesn't just happen. <laughs> I know. Proofreading. It's hard. Schedule time to be with a friend. Because if, if you're like 89% of the people in Edmond or really anywhere that I talk to, you do not have time to schedule time with additional people. And you'll miss out on some of the most important relationships in your life if you don't do it anyway. If you don't get rid of the things that really, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter and prioritize love in your life. Because I, I know I titled this How to Find Love. But really, we don't just find it. We have to actually take action. We have to make a priority if it's going to last. And it can make all the difference in our lives. Whenever I was in college, um, I got a call one night. My dad had had a stroke. Um, He was in his mid-50s and uh, was healthy. And so it was a big surprise. And I was in Oklahoma City at the time. He lived in Norman. And so, you know, I I loaded up my car and headed headed south. And it took me, you know, half hour or so. And whenever I got there, I walked into the emergency room at Norman Regional Hospital. What I found was that the waiting room was full of people who were there with my family. I don't know how they got there that fast, but it was people from church and people that I grew up with and people from my elementary school. And there were people from college who came down and were not far behind me. But, but at a time whenever, you know, I didn't know if my dad was going to survive through the night. Thankfully, he did. But the people in, that I had relationships with were there for me, for my mom, for my siblings. And because we had those relationships, a situation that was awful was one that we were able to persevere through. That's the power of relationships. We show up for one another. We make it a priority. We love one another as Jesus loved us. We pray with me. God, we are grateful that you invite each and every one of us into relationship with you, with your people, with all the world. And, and God, I pray that you would strengthen those relationships that, that we're in, and first and foremost, our relationship with you. You'll help us never to take it for granted. And that you'd also help us to find time, to make time, to invest in our relationships with the people around us. And to find people that you're calling us to enter into relationship with. Whether that's a friendship, whether that's a different kind of relationship that your love might suffuse every part of our lives. And we thank you for Jesus, whose love for us is without end. And we thank you that he taught us even how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.